Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio season nine. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Zarin, you know it's ridiculous. Yes, I do, Elizabeth Dutton. The fact that the Queen of England owns all of the swans in England. And every year in July, they count them all. What? Yes, it's true. It dates back to like back in the day, back in the day. But the Queen of England owns all of the swans. They are the royal property of the monarchy. And every July, they have an annual tradition that they count all of the swans. In England. In England. And if you touch one, the queen's going to come after you. What if I bought myself a swan? Would she commandeer it? It's the wild swans. It's not like just because okay. you own a swan in England. So isn't that ridiculous though? That is really ridiculous. <laughs> Speaking of England. Yes. Uh, another thing that's ridiculous is an English heist brought down by a dog detective. <laughs> Wait, now it's my turn to say, well, what? <laughs> well, so well, 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 is that a dog detective who de- is a dog who's a detective, a detective of dog-related crimes? It's a dog who would qualify as a special inspector. Yes. A freelance detective. Oh, I like this. Yeah, this is a good one. I'm Elizabeth Dutton, here with Zarin Burnett and our producer, Consul General Dave Kustin, and this is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. 
All right, Zarin. Yeah. Are you a Ted Lasso guy? Who? No, I'm just kidding. No, I love Ted Lasso. You know this. Uh, that show is like, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, it's my happy place, but it literally is like a rainbow of Midwestern goodness. Oh, completely. Like, completely. Yeah, I, I dig it. And also, I like the whole fish out of water in the UK because I enjoy the UK, but from the perspective of an American there. Right, right. I just, I feel like it's a balm for the soul. So Ted Lasso, so, you know, when we're thinking about the whole premise of the show is that we have this American coach who goes over to coach a footy team, football. Ah, right. That in this country, in the United States of America, is referred to as soccer. Mm-hmm, which is a much better word. No. But the rest <laughs> of the country calls it, or the rest of the world calls it football. Well, I like when they call it football, because then I know what they mean. Football. Like in Spanish or in German, football. Sure. Fu- football the... in German, football in Spanish. Yeah, I like when they call it footy. Footy, footy works, Yeah. yeah. Okay, so every four years, World Cup comes around. Yes, my favorite. I love it. Yeah. One year, I was tasked in my office with keeping the the matches on on my iPad on my desk and then emailing out score updates for people who were in meetings. <laughs> it was great. I like that. But like, okay, so when World Cup comes around, who do you support in these matches? Oh, <laughs> well, that's a little tough one. So in world sports, uh, here's what the issue with, with for me for World Cup. I always root for like Nigeria, Cameroon, all the African teams. Then when you get to like, I root for Japan, the Blue Samurai, big fan of them. But in Europe, I always had to root for who was the least likely to colonize my people. So, like, <laughs> I go with Sweden. I go with, like, you know, teams that you people don't think of. Denmark. You know, I'm a big fan of Poland. You know, so you, you get the idea. Croatia. You know, I'm sure. up the ones that, uh, you know. But so that way, South America, I'm golden. Uruguay, Paraguay, I'm, I'm about it. Venezuela, Costa Rica, anyone. South South and Central America. So, you, but you don't ever have like you go in and you're like, this is these are my guys. These are no, my I don't guys. have one team. I just don't root for the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we rarely make it. I, mean, I root for the women's team. They're amazing. I, I root for them. I'm a big fan of underdogs. Oh, then you probably like the American team. <laughs> <laughs> I like I I am very match specific. Oh yeah. So I'm not really like wedded to anything, and I will judge who I'm going to root for mm-hmm. based on the match. And a lot of times, it's uh, the underdog, or I like the style of the people. <laughs> I, so like they're just their fashion sense. Yeah, or totally. Like how they I'm are. like that. Like the cut of their jib. Like they're looking good <laughs> out there. Um, so. Football is life. Ah, see. Football is life. And especially in England. They're all about it. And it was a really big deal in 1966. Mm. England hosted the World Cup. Mm -hmm. The Pele years. It was very, football's coming home, (laughs) like they did for Euro 2021. I noticed a tone in that voice. Oh, no, no. I was just, you know, I'm not going to try any English accents for you today. I would leave that to me. Yeah. (laughs) I'll do all the bad accents. You're the king of the accents. (laughs) You know, you have... You do know that I am really, really good at celebrity impressions. That is true. You are possibly one of the best people I've ever heard who does celebrity impressions. It's spooky. It's eerie. It's spot on. Do you want to favor us with one? Okay. How about Frida Kahlo? Oh, okay. Let me see. Hey, everybody. I'm Frida Kahlo. How are you? I like to paint. (laughs) Spot on. I mean, you were just like, like, is she in the? Here's the ghost in the room. For a second, I thought I was Diego Rivera. Yeah, yeah. I I took you there. <laughs> Give me another one. Um, ooh, okay, a tough one. George W. Bush. 
that doesn't sound like Will Ferrell. That's totally not tough. I can nail that one in okay. my sleep. All right. <clears throat> hey, everybody. I'm George W. Bush. Watch <laughs> me cut down a tree and then run around. Mission accomplished. Flawless. Right? <laughs> I'm surprised you aren't paid to do this. I am. I am. I, I have like a secret gig you don't know about. Oh, okay. I don't want to talk I'll about it right now. I'll try not to be jealous. Right, but I think that like it's... It's really intimidating how good I am at that. Mm-hmm, I could see that. Kind and of like so, Ted Lasso's kindness. It can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to process. So I don't like to do it very often. <laughs> so don't ask me again. Okay. <laughs> so football's coming home, baby, 1966. <laughs> uh, I'll let you do accents later. Okay. So I want you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a picture for you. Ooh, get out the brushes. Mm-hmm. Frida Kahlo style. But no, not free to cost. <laughs> it's not going to involve, like, you know, a uterus. Evisceration. And, yeah. And, yeah, okay. So it's Sunday, March 20th, 1966. Just let it. Where are you? London, England. Mm. Mm. Like, if, you, if I did an English accent, I would do, like, the. Um, Oh, Austin Powers. Austin Powers. Yeah, baby. There it is. Okay. <laughs> Do it one more time. Yeah, baby. <laughs> God. Okay, so it's it's March 20th, 1966. Yeah, baby. And Shapes of Things by the Yardbirds is at the top of the charts. Ooh. Yeah, it's, a, it's not a good song. <laughs> um and everyone's like running around in their Mary Quant fashions, mm, their mod, mod boots. yeah, and like asymmetrical bobs. Uh, you know what? Rhodesia, big issue in British <laughs> geopolitics. Rhodesia Something, was a problem. You just don't hear that anymore. Good for good reason. Um, there was a stop motion children's television series called Camberwick Green, and mm. that was that debuted on BBC One as part of Watch with Mother. <laughs> Is that like a block of programming? Yeah, I thought that was like your favorite. <laughs> Watch with mother. Watch with mother. Camberwick Green. Um, yeah, so that's like just, I just want to like situate you in place and time. Okay, I'm there. 1966 London. 66 London. Yeah, baby. Let's do it again. Um, it's 11 in the morning on that Sunday morning and people are gathered for morning service under this absolutely glorious dome of the Methodist Central Hall. Okay. Good God-fearing folk praying it up in the church services. It's a really beautiful building, by the way. Oh, um, it hosted it. it's hosted all these important events over the years. Um, the BBC Symphony Orchestra performed there. Gandhi, MLK, and the Dalai Lama have given speeches. It also served as an air raid shelter in WW2. Well, what didn't though, really? Very true. <laughs> Uh, it hosted the inaugural meeting of the UN General Assembly. Ooh, that's big. That's big time. Uh, also, the campaign for nuclear disarmament was launched there. Okay. I used to be a docent there, and that's why. I thought oh, so you seem to know a lot. Yeah, no, that's a lie. And um, probably this is like the most important thing for you, Zarin. Oh, okay. This go is on. really gonna get you in the slats. Uh, James Corden once hosted his Late Late Show there. Oh, my boy, James Corden. You know how much I've always wanted to be in a car singing with him. I love him. That is your favorite late night show. He is my favorite. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a little background on the old uh, Methodist Central Hall for you. But, okay, so 1966, what's the big deal at the Methodist Central Hall? That's what I'm wondering. Right? There's an exhibit 
in their church library called Sports with Stamps. <laughs> Are there any sports that involve stamps? <laughs> well. <laughs> or is it just like famous athletes who have been featured on a that, stamp? That's what I wanted to, to talk to you about. Because if you hear, if someone says, hey, you want to go check out the Sports with Stamps exhibition? Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would think. I, I'm confused. I'd have to ask for clarification. Yeah, I'm immediately confused. First of all, I want to know, are these postage stamps or are these like those ink stamps? Oh, my God. Like yeah. crafting. Uh-huh. Is this a whole crafting thing that I have to – is it sports? Is it speed stamping? Will the dog detective be there? Oh, That's what I would be wondering. You're getting, we are getting way ahead of yourself, I, He's sir. just still in my head. I know. He haunts my dreams. Uh, it's a stamp collecting exhibit. Mm. Stamp collectors are called philatelists. Oh, yes. I mispronounced that word just a couple of days ago in a pitch meeting. Oh, good yeah. for you. Thank you. So stamps, right? And there are stamps featuring sports. Ah, right. So, But the big deal with these, the big um, draw mm-hmm. is the Jules Rimet Cup. Ah. And that is the trophy for the World Cup. Oh, they right. actually had it there. It's the trophy that was given to the FIFA World Cup winner since the tournament started in 1930. And the trophy doesn't look now what it looked like then. Yeah. yeah. It looked like a legit cup. It was a chalice. Mm-hmm. They drank blood from it. <laughs> that was, what are they, hockey players? That was part of like the, the transfer of the trophy that they don't want you to know about. Yeah. No, that's, I like that you're a World Cup truther. I really am. It's important that we get that information out there. So it was an actual cup, Mm -hmm. and it was in this display case with a bunch of stamps around it in a church. Here's this big deal, right? Like the World Cup. Mm -hmm. In order for FIFA to allow them to display this thing, they had to promise they were going to have 24-7 armed guards. Well, not armed, but, you know. Why was the World Cup involved with stamps? That just seems weird. Because it's sports. Oh, so, okay. So we're just going to mix it up. And you're supposed up. to like. It has to fall under one of the two. Either you're a stamp well, or you're a Well, they both begin with S. <laughs> and, and they both end in S. We're encouraging people to write to their friends mm-hmm. about and use the postal service about their love of sports. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. It's British stuff. I Whatever. Well, I mean, it was like there was some company that was a big stamp, uh, I want to say merchant. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a, a stamp merchant, and they were the sponsors of it. I still can't quite figure out what the cup was doing there. But it was there. It was there. Was we there. can't go back in time and change that. So they have it in the library of mm-hmm. the church. And it's there because England's hosting the World Cup. It's a couple months away. Uh, they want to get people all jazzed up or or jazz them up further than they already are. So the library is a floor above the where the church services are going on. And it's nice and quiet in the library. The trophy is solid gold, and it's in this, like, padlocked case surrounded by stamps and poorly designed informational posters. Okay. <laughs> Design was not their passion. Uh, it's Sunday, Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. And so the exhibit was closed to the public. Okay. So FIFA demanded that there be at least five guards watching this area Mm -hmm. the entire time. And on that Sunday, there were two. (laughs) That's not five. (laughs) No, that's that's less than five. And um, they're supposed to be, you know, keeping an eye on it 24-7. They take a look at the trophy at 11 a.m. Okay. Like, yep. There it is. There it is. 
And then they say, hey, Jeeves, want to go for a cuppa? (laughs) (laughs) And they took off and got tea. Now, in like some of the newspaper articles from England are talking about how they went to get coffee. I'm like, bull, they did not get coffee. Those guys went and got tea and like some sort of pastry filled with smashed meats. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Why do you threaten me like that? I'm going to threaten you with a good time. So they go at 11. They go take a break, Mm -hmm. get a cuppa. And then it was calm. It was a chill Sunday, you know? They went to go listen to some yard birds. Just let some steam off. They go back just a little bit afternoon. And there's no trophy. Oops. Yeah. Padlock was cut. And the trophy was gone. So... The other thing is that there are all these stamps there, three million pounds worth of stamps uh-huh. that they could have taken and I'm sure, you know, is, sold them on the stamp market. I don't <laughs> the know. black market for stamps. <laughs> is there a fence for I mean, I imagine there are the there stamp people, the stamp collectors that I've known who like own stamp, uh, whatever, but they sell stamps. Mm-hmm. Those people are always shady, especially with the gold. So mm-hmm. like, I could totally believe that yeah. they were able to move this. So, yeah. They just didn't know that the stamps were so valuable? Had that not been put out to the public? It was, no, it was a big thing. I mean, there you had all these rare stamps. And I think that in terms of high-value stamps, I would assume that you don't have the provenance issues that you would have with mm-hmm. artwork. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's small. I mean, you can just, like, stick it in your underpants oh, yeah, and walk out, and no one's the wiser. So, <laughs> unlike, you know, a Van Gogh. Anyhow. So, three million pounds worth of stamps. They don't touch them. They just take the trophy. And so the guys walk in, there's a cut padlock, the case is open, they start panicking, freaking out, mm-hmm. and they contact the authorities. What in the world is FIFA going to do? What would the English Football Association do? They were tasked with taking care of this very important item. Let's take a little break ponder their options and when we come back i'm going to let you know how it unfolds all right nice because i'm so wondering how this plays out (laughs) can i rant for a sec please Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60 day money back guarantee. 
Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. That's simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season 1, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend Bob. At one point a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent 9 years in Gail's grave and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season 1 like my producer Anna. Oh my god. My friend Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> What? I can't believe this. Listen to season 2 of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. these girls were sent out into the world and they were told try to meet important men try to attach yourself to important men the voice you're hearing is a russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power the war in ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities for the first time A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the FIFA World Cup is gone. What? Gone. Oh, that's going to really bum out some people. Right. Couple. Uh it gets stolen from the Methodist Hall. Mhm. A suspicious looking man was seen in the building at the time of the heist. I wasn't there. So, so <laughs> don't preemptively <laughs> Sorry. give yourself an alibi. <laughs> This is a lead. We have a lead here. Mhm. He was described as in his early 30s, average height, thin lips. greased black hair, possibly a scar on his face. Like I said, I wasn't there. <laughs> I think it was Evil Fonzie. <laughs> <laughs> Or Evil David Bowie with dyed black hair. <laughs> Or the ghost of Buddy Holly. Or Young Richie April. <laughs> <laughs> Or John Travolta with hair. With, yeah, <laughs> avec hair. Like before before 
life changed for him. Yes. Um, or male Amy Winehouse. <laughs> those are those are my guesses. That's what I'm dressing up for Halloween. If I were on the police force there, that's the list I would have drawn up for them. <laughs> These are our suspects. They would have been like, oh, my God, you're so good. What are we going to do with you? I was like, give me a raise. Uh, <laughs> awards were offered. I was like, give me some of the award. I came up with a list. Awards were offered. The Gillette Razor Company was mm-hmm. all, hi ho hello. Here's 500 pounds. <laughs> 500 pounds. Is that really the best a man can get, Gillette? (laughs) It's not a lot of money. No, not even then. No. And so, like, then the top London sports doctor who's, Mm -hmm. like, bandaging up all the cricketeers, he's like, oh, well, I see your 500 and raise you 150. It's cheapskates, right? The 150 pounds is -hmm. the equivalent of... 2,400 pounds today. Okay. All right. That's still not a lot of money. No. No. Not for the World Cup. At the current exchange rate, like today, that's $3,300. Okay. So they're like, oh, this huge, important piece of our national fabric and something important to the entire world is missing. And if you can find it, I'll give you the value of a 2001 Nissan Sentra. Totally. (laughs) He's got to be making more money shooting crazy drugs into the knees of these guys. Right, yeah. Such a shame. Totally cheap. The total reward money winds up around 5,500 pounds, which is like 114,000 pounds today, which in U.S. dollars is $157,000. Still not much for the World Cup. Yeah, but the cup was valued at three grand, 3,000 pounds at the time. Well, yeah, but the cup is valued... Like, it's not the materials that you value it. It's, it's the value to all the sure. fans and to the soccer yeah, but I think as like an just institution. Material-wise, I think it was like th- <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like 3K worth of gold. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. 3,000 pounds is what the value is. So more tips come in when they start putting out these rewards. Mm-hmm. Someone says that they saw it under a seat on the underground. And everyone's just like, oh, they freak out. They stop an entire line on the underground and search all the trains. No World Cup. And so there's like an eight-year-old snickering like, I got him. (laughs) Uh, Someone else sent in a photo from a German newspaper and drew an X over the face of the guy he said was guilty of it, who's not even in the country. (laughs) Okay. So it's like, thanks, Sherlock. And then this absolute strongest tip, the real lead here, Mm -hmm. came from a man who said that his clock— told him that the cup was in Wicklow, Ireland. <laughs> His clock did? Well, yeah, thank the God cl- the clock didn't tell him to kill anyone. <laughs> well, we don't know what happened next. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> or what has happened prior. Go check the Wicklow like, papers. Well, the clock finally took a break from giving me a list of people to kill <laughs> and said, P.S., FIFA Cup, Wicklow, Ireland, look into it. And that's the best tip they received. <laughs> that's the best one. That's the strongest. So then... The chairman of the English Football Association, a gentleman mm-hmm. by the name of Joe Means, mm, he gets Joe a Means. phone call. Mm-hmm. And a man says that Means should expect a package the next day. The man calls himself Jackson. Mm, strong name. Which leads me to my next theory. Jackson Brown was behind this whole thing. <laughs> How old was Jackson Brown in 1966? Uh, like in his teens? He was like 48. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Jackson Brown has been 48 for 300 years? I had actually read that once in a bathroom. He invented feathered hair. <laughs> He's the one who got guys wearing leather bomber jackets 
He started the whole trend. Yeah, he invented the bomber jacket. He invented shoes. He invented shoes. <laughs> but not shoelaces. No, no. Velcro shoes. So Jackson Brown, well, we'll just use the official one, Jackson, this man Jackson. He says, there's going to be instructions in this package, Mr. Means, that's coming for you. Mm-hmm. Package arrives next day. Means opens it up. Inside, the lid of the trophy and a ransom note demanding 15,000 pounds in small bills. Hmm. Stripper money. <laughs> That's basically, he's this, this person is asking for $330,000 in today's U.S. dollars. That seems like a more reasonable ask. Yeah. And that's like, that's 280,000 euros. That's 6.7 million pesos. I was just about to ask, how much would that be in pesos? It's called the World Cup, people. <laughs> it's, we've got we to gotta broaden our horizons here. So then there's also a note. There's a note tucked in with the lid of the uh, trophy, and it says, Dear Joe, no doubt you view with very much concern the loss of the World Cup. To me, it is only so much scrap gold. If I don't hear from you by Thursday or Friday at the latest, I assume it's one for the pot. He's going to cook it? Yeah, he's going to make it into a stew. I yelled pot because he did it in all caps. Oh, yeah. You got to then. Yeah. I was just trying to follow his lead. So the package gets there. Means is like, oh, my God. Like, what do I do? Jackson calls again. He's all, hey, it's me, Jackson Brown. And just out of curiosity, this fellow Means has no connection to the World Cup. No, he does. He's the chairman of the English Football Association. Oh, right, right, right. So he's he's the caretaker of the cup at this point. Okay, yes, never mind. I take it all back. He's the wrong way Joe who's like, (laughs) like, yeah, let him take it. And, you know, he puts it in a a wooden box in a church Mm -hmm. surrounded by stamps. Come on, dude. (laughs) Pull it together. Come on, Joe. Joe. So Jackson calls. He's like, hey, did my package arrive? And that's this is before we had tracking. Yeah, so you had to track your own package. Yeah. Jackson says to Means, bring the money on Friday, and the cup's going to come to you in a taxi on Saturday. The okay. cup is now sentient. <laughs> Just wants to take a tour. Yeah. The cup is like... I never get to get out. In a scarf and tootling around town and like, no, leave me here. Okay. So, you know, Jackson gives him the heads up. Bring me the money Friday. You get the cup Saturday. They also, he said, I have a request. You have to post a specific message in Thursday's edition of the London Evening News if you're down with this plan. Ooh, I like it. And so Means does that. He puts in willing to do business, Joe. Mm, real spy stuff. We did it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, like, he puts it in there. And so <laughs> here's, here's where I want to take a little sidestep. Go on, step away. I really miss the whole cryptic messages in newspaper classified ads thing. Oh, yeah. Like, when I was growing up, I thought there'd be more of that in my life as an adult. You thought you'd have reason to put in cryptic messages into newspaper classified ads? Yeah, I thought I would have to pass along secret messages in the classifieds. I thought I would stumble across them. I thought I'd stumble across these messages Mm -hmm. and have to deduce the, the scenario which I'm really, as you can see from the way I've been telling you this story. Yes. I'm so I'm super good at that. Special investigator. Com- special investigator coming up with lists of suspects, coming up with invented details. I can totally see you being good at cryptography. Yeah, totally. But like, what other adult things did you expect that you would have to do? Oh. Uh, 
I kind of thought that I would live. I thought that like adults lived in high rise apartment buildings. Oh, like that was like totally. Yeah. Yeah. The Bob Newhart show made me think that that was like what adults did. That you came home, you had a drink, your wife showed up, and you guys talked about your dope downtown Chicago apartment. I'm a little triggered by you mentioning Bob Newhart. Oh, right. Should I? Should I? Like, just skip past it, or do do you want to talk about the apartment? I am a Bob Newhart um, apartment layout truther. Oh, yes, you are. Yeah, I've drawn. I've read the blog post. No, you've you've literally, I've made you look at my schematic yes, drawings. You have drawn up schematics from season to season, pointing yeah. out the differences of where the door is and where that door like, is. Like, I just need to get it out right now that on the Bob Newhart show, in their bedroom, mm-hmm. the, the shutters behind their bed... <laughs> would technically look out at the hallway and not a window. And one time they're open and it's a cityscape. And then everything after that is a lie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, I don't know what they're saying. I can't trust. I can't. Is he really a psychiatrist? Is it all? But you do, you do know, right, that the other Newhart show ended up, the, the final episode was him waking up in bed with Emily from the f- previous Newhart show. So what if um, both Newhart shows alert. are a dream? You got to give a warning on that, dude. Uh, I think that it could be just sort of a surrealistic dream. And it's like a... It's a Dali-esque landscape. They live in an M.C. Escher drawing. Exactly. And I just, I don't know. I don't want to get into it because I can go on and on. As as I know you can. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I thought thought that as an adult, I'd have to live in like one of those apartment (laughs) buildings and be a secretary or something. Like that just seemed Mm -hmm. kind of the thing. What about you? Oof. Uh, I always figured there would be a lot more cause for me to hotwire cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I'd have to deal with like getting out of quicksand. Totally. Right? I mean, like, don't how many... move your leg. Yeah, exactly. We all know how to get out of quicksand. Never once have I had to use well, that. And you have to have someone throw you a vine that oh, you yeah. can pull with a vine, your upper... a long yeah. stick. Maybe they take off their pants, tie them in, like, to some kind of like. Well, and then rope. that's why we did like so much work on our upper body strength in the president's physical fitness challenge, <laughs> so that we'd be able to pull ourselves out of. We needed that upper body strength. Yeah. Just yeah, I thought, we thought those things hot wiring cars. I've hot yeah. wired a golf cart. Oh, really? It's super easy. Is it the same general principle, wire to wire? Sure. Okay. Yeah, you just like it's usually under the seat. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. Whatever, yeah, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's uh, move past that one. <laughs> so take me back to Joe Means. So let's go back to Joe Means. So Joe calls the cops, even though the note specifically says, "Joe, don't call the cops." <laughs> He's like, you can't tell me what to do. Beep, boop, 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 beep. Well, I, I don't know how to do a rotary phone sound. <laughs> and he's like trying to make it go back real fast when you're like in a hurry and you're pushing it. I am showing my age. I'm actually 12 years old. And I don't I just, know what you're talking about. No, right I'm 12 and I watch a lot of old television and newsreels and movies. So rotary phones, did those like come with a free fan? I don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about. Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of what's it. A, what's a landline? Okay, now that we've established that I'm an old crone, Joe starts dialing, gets mm-hmm. the cops. He's like, guys, I have a problem. I think I know where the cup is. The cops then, they realize, we, you know, we can't do this. We don't have the skills to... To collect a cup? No. <laughs> okay. You know who we're going to call? Who? The flying squad. 
<laughs> what? Who the hell is the flying squad? Is the cup like somewhere in an area that you'd need of like flying police? I don't understand. They all had jetpacks. Think. Keep in mind that you know. Is Mary Poppins? Our cousins from- across the pond have different words for different things. I'm pretty sure flying is not one of those words. <laughs> it's a, a yeah. The flying squad is a specialized robbery unit in the Metropolitan Police. Wait, I am still well, so okay, lost. Okay, so hold on. Okay, if, can I'll, I finish? Let me just stay in my land of confusion. <laughs> can I finish? So they got the name because the first vehicles that they were given were refurbished Royal Flying Corps cars from WW1. Oh, and so it was just that a- was like in 1920 or whatever. So they're given, but also it's probably more accurate um, that they got the name because they operated all over London and weren't tied to specific divisions. So they oh. were like the sweeper. If we're talking football, okay. So the name is kind of like how the. L.A. Dodgers are named for dodging trolleys in Brooklyn. It has really no connection to what they do. Right. Okay. Right. So, well, no, kind of. I mean, they're just like this squad that flies all over the city, flying being, you know. Oh, oh yeah, makes sense. I got you. A metaphor yeah. for yeah. their for their, their zooming Availability to, to all. They're zipping and zagging. Just above the fray, and willing you, to drop down wherever needed. Well, they're, they're real cowboys. <laughs> Loose cannons. <laughs> And they were really tight with organized crime because, you know. Because they're cops. Well, sure. <laughs> and they have, but they have this, you know, they're supposed to be going after these big robberies. And it was always like the high profile ones. So, like, if someone broke into your home, they're not, like, calling in the flying squad. So, they're like the major case unit. Yes. And Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. Was in charge of them. <laughs> I do not believe you. Yeah. For, like, 30 years <laughs> before he grew up. He was, like, six talented kid that for 30 years he was six years old so they they were all the flying squad like in the late 70s early 80s total serpico era Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. were full of scandals convictions resignations it was they were a big problem i love it 66 they're doing you know they have some respectability all right and the police the local police know that we've got a high profile case we can't mess this up we got to call the flying squad (laughs) I'm trying not to laugh. I like to pretend that there's like a special horn that they blow. (laughs) (laughs) Hark! And then the guys like all descend wearing Burberry raincoats. Oi, who called the flying squad? (laughs) Oh, you're you're giving them like a little EastEnders accent. Yeah, well, they're, you know. They're they're not posh boys. Exactly. I wasn't thinking they're going to be high-ended. They're men of the streets. Yeah, they know the rough and tumble. I Like I said, real cowboys. (laughs) I don't know why you say that. It just feels good. Um, so the Flying Squad, mm-hmm. uh, they're the best hope of a desperate nation. Okay. It's trying to get back this solid gold chalice that they've been loaned mm-hmm. and entrusted with. They need to get it back. The big dog at the Flying Squad, mm-hmm. his name was D.I. Len Buggy. <laughs> D.I. Len Buggy? Oh, right. D.I. is the name of the police over in England. Yeah, like, he's Detective like, Inspector. Thank you. I know you love those British I really mysteries. do. I really do. Both the the to television versions, mm-hmm. the print book versions. Oh, that's true. You do read. I do read a lot the of the British mysteries in print. You mm-hmm. watch them. You occasionally just mumble DCI this, DI that. I often. I, I have in, no idea what you're talking about. I show up at crime scenes here in the states and introduce myself as DCI Dutton, <laughs> and then I tell people get out of my way. I'm so close to retirement. 
Do you have Luther's phone number? Like, can you? I do. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Call up Idris. Be like, "What's up? It's DCI Dutton." I'll be like, "DCI Dutton," and he goes, "Hey, everybody, it's me, <laughs> Idris Elba, also known as Luther." Okay, I gotta go. Bye. What's that? that? I'm like, I, I turned. Did you see me turn? Thinking yeah. Idris had walked you in the room. You thought he came in the room. Uncanny. It's 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 a blessing and a curse I to imagine. have this talent. DCI buggy. Mm-hmm. Len. Or DI buggy. I I just promoted him. Not yet. <laughs> DI Len buggy. Friday rolls around. Because mm-hmm. remember, Thursday, the cryptic message in the mm-hmm. paper. Friday, Friday pay, pay up. Saturday, taxi. Mimi, here comes the, the cup. So the taxi uh-huh. will be taking the cup around. But in the meantime. And won't Friday, get lost. <laughs> exactly. Friday rolls around and D.I. Buggy calls over to Shay Means. Knock, mm-hmm. knock. <laughs> Means is in bed. Now, come on, dude. Wait, what time is it? I don't know. In okay. the morning. Okay. At some point. <laughs> but Means is in bed. It's not early morning. D.I. Buggy, he's raring to go. He's got a mm-hmm. suit on. He shined his shoes. Looking sharp like Charlie Watts. <laughs> oh. Sorry. R.I.P. No, he went and he got a little Crumpet. sausage roll. Okay. And just like powered it down on his way over there. His hands are still a little greasy. He's wiping it off on his suit as he gets to the front door. Knock, knock. Means is in bed. Means has angina. Oh, the heart condition? Uh, yeah, the heart condition. <laughs> <laughs> what other angina? I don't know. I'm just clarifying. <laughs> oh, the one with the heart? Yeah, for, no, no. For, foot, for, foot angina. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Well, in the stress of the situation, it was just like doing him in. He's like, my heart. (laughs) He couldn't take it. So he had to have a lie down. Hmm. And he just, you know, he couldn't handle the drop. I don't don't want to be ableist. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I've certainly had to have a lie down at times. Oh, yeah, completely. But, dude, pull it together. Yeah, sometimes it's like you got to like, you know, like put some backbone. Was it stiff upper lip? Sometimes you got to put your back into it, (laughs) Joe Means. Keep calm and put your back into it. <laughs> That's my favorite poster. <laughs> they sell them at Home Goods. That's how they won the war. <laughs> totally. Uh, Buggy, he's just going, he's bugging out. <laughs> and so he works with the long-suffering Mrs. Means, who's just, at this point, she's thinking, like, what have I gotten myself into? This guy makes a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We were in love once, but he won't get out of bed and save the World Cup. So Means... Mrs. Means and Buggy work together, and they decide that Buggy is going to pose as Mr. Means' assistant named McPhee. Okay. And um, when Jackson calls, he's going to, like, cover up and be like, I'm the assistant McPhee, and then just hang up. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to use a really, like, frail child's voice. (laughs) I was wondering. (laughs) Where is that going, McPhee? I wasn't sure where I was going. Uh, so he's going to say, I'm McPhee. Mm-hmm. So Jackson calls. He's like, hey, it's Jackson Brown. And uh, Buggy says, hey, it's McPhee. And they talk. Jackson's like, this is fishy. Like, are you? who are you again? And how, how did you get involved with this? Who told you about this? But Buggy convinces him, no, I'm McPhee. I'm like the special assistant. I'm his right-hand man. I know everything, and I keep my mouth shut. So... He says, Jackson says, fine, meet me at Battersea Park. So D.I. Buggy pulls up to the park in Means's Ford Zodiac. A Ford Zo- I don't know about Ford Zodiac. Is that one of those, like, where they named the car differently in a different they country? They named it for the Zodiac Killer. 
It to had the, the symbol on the side. And as soon as you sat down, it didn't have a seatbelt. It had the hood that came over it just here. came down. <laughs> I would so buy that. I know you would. <laughs> so, actually, the Zodiac was the luxury version of the Ford Zephyr. Ah, the Ford Zephyr. Again, not one what that is we that? had here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they do. They have, like, their own little titles for cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just no, like, totally. you know. Just... When you travel, like you go to like say uh, Columbia, they'll have a different name for the Toyota trucks, and they're always like, "Yeah, man, I got a new this." You're like, "I don't know what the hell you're talking about." You're like, "I thought you guys like cars in America." You're like I'm a like, Toyota no. Fortuna. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so in the '50s, the Zodiac like was a jazzy little number. Uh, it was cute. That was a precious little thing. Super cool looking. I want one. You can go get me one. Um, by the mid '60s, nah, it's so hot. They were looking pretty whack. They um, they kind of look like a mid-century modern bread box. <laughs> it's really unattractive. It also didn't look very aerodynamic. No, I can't imagine it a bread box would built be. out of cardboard. But anyway, so that's what. But so the ugly one is what Di Buggy would have rolled up okay. in because it's '66, and like I would assume that Means had a new a new car. Yeah, let's let's just say that. Let's say it. Just fresh off the lot. It's got like, you know, six meters on it (laughs) (laughs) and so uh it's not a good look but whatever you know what i am gonna post some pictures of the ford zodiac both cool version and Mm -hmm. lame version on our instagram nice on our ridiculous crime instagram you have that to look forward to already writing a note okay click like Buggy has 500 pounds in bills and the rest is like cut up pieces of newspaper that he's going to hand off to Jackson and just pray that Jackson doesn't flip through it. Okay. Jackson doesn't flip through it. Oh, Jackson. He opens it up. He's like, oh, that's a lot of money. Jackson gets in the car, gets in the Zodiac with... Also, here's the thing is Zodiac is the name of a raft. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking of. So when I say Jackson jumped in the Zodiac, don't, in your mind, don't think that they're getting into a raft. Okay. I know you were confused. I was. I kept picturing. I could see the look in your eye. Your eyes got all wide. That doesn't make, how would you drive boat on road? (laughs) The Evan Rude would just tear up the road. (laughs) Just bouncing off cobblestones. (laughs) Oh, God, it's a disaster. No wonder they didn't trust you, McPhee. So he gets in this Ford Zodiac vehicle, car. With wheels. Um, Jackson hops in and says to Buggy, who he thinks is McPhee, uh, drive around South London for a little bit. Give me the scenic tour. Yeah. You know, let's just drive around. Let's just chill. Let's pretend like we're a young couple. We never got a chance to know each other. (laughs) (laughs) So they're driving along and Jackson looks in the rearview mirror Mm -hmm. and sees a white van following him. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And he's like, you know what? I bet you that's that GD flying squad. And he's right. These are the supposed to be the best investigators, and they're like tailgating in the biggest, the brightest Zodiac vehicle that they could get in a giant white van that says "Not the Fuzz" <laughs> yeah, on the side. Exactly. And they're just like pretend, and they're in like false nose and glasses, driving around in their Groucho glasses. <laughs> so at this, they stop, and Jackson just jumps out of the car and makes a run for it. But they catch him. Okay. But what do they not have? The cup. The cup. So he's caught, he's arrested, and you come to find out mm-hmm. Jackson is not his real name. Get the F out. <laughs> totally. I know that was a shock. His real name is Edward Betchley. You Betchley. Mm-hmm. And he's a 47-year-old dock worker. Hmm. Okay. Good for him. A little roughneck. And uh, he swore he was innocent, up and down. He said he didn't steal the cup, 
that he was just asked to make the call and do all the cloak and dagger in order to get a 500-pound payment. And the man who asked him to do that was known only as the Pole. Mm, I would be rooting for him in the World Cup. You totally would. Doesn't it sound like a Guy Ritchie movie now? Oh, my God, completely. He just like, made Bricktop. He's like, like, Betchley was contacted by the pole. Yeah, exactly. And the pole is just, like, sitting there eating, like, a kielbasa yeah. in his boxer shirt. Smash shirts. cut to the pole. Totally, like, yeah, and, like, some Guy Ritchie, Guy Ritchie-type music in the background. Guy I feel so bad for people named Guy because I will only call them Guy because I'm a jerk. Um <laughs> So Guy Ritchie, like, this is this is made for it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's, like, Fat Boy Slim playing in the background. Massive Attack comes on next. <laughs> Completely. So uh, Betchley, we, we got Betchley. We have his story about the pole. We don't have the cup. This is where we are right now, 1966. Okay. Betchley, money, part money, no cup. No cup. Let's take a break, and I want you to think about what you've done. And then I'm going to come back and tell you the rest of this wild story. Cool. I'm going to be sitting here like humming Golden Brown to myself. (laughs) Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So it is Sunday now, March 27th, 1966. But we were supposed to get the cup on Saturday. Yeah. The cup was supposed to catch a taxi. What gives? Where's the cup now? I'll tell you. All right. So it was exactly one week to the day after the cup had been stolen in a brazen robbery. Mm -hmm. England's in a lather over the loss of such an important piece of their cultural fabric. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to imagine, like, the rest of the nations in the tournament are pretty ticked off, too, right? Oh, yeah, they have to be. And it's like, okay, so we have to go to England to play. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's a chore. It's beautiful. Yeah, if you like gray skies and boiled meat. (laughs) It's a lovely place. And um, I'm just kidding, England. You're fine. So they're like, you know, but we got to go to England and we we entrust you with the cup and now it's gone. You know, Scotland's like, hey, don't look at us. <laughs> Being Scotland ain't us, man. I don't, <laughs> oh, don't know why you're looking over here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we didn't, they didn't let that, they have to let that happen. Mm-hmm. It was incompetence all around. So this Sunday morning, a week on, this guy named David Corbett wakes up, mm-hmm. birds chirping, he makes a cuppa. They don't. They don't do anything without a cuppa over there. I've heard this, and for those who don't know, a cuppa is a cup of tea. Cup of tea, yeah. Yeah. They don't. I mean, it's like you can't. You can't do anything. I don't believe it. And it's really rude when someone offers you a cuppa, like at their house or their office, and you turn them down. You got to do it. Really? Yeah. Oh, apparently I've been really rude in England. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> it's not just England. The entire... No, not rude. A lot of places. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So 
He David Corbett gets up, puts his clothes on. He puts a leash on his dog. In mm-hmm. in the UK, they call them a lead. I did know that one. Yeah, I remember a lead that one. on the dog, and he walks down to the corner to use the payphone. And they call shoes trainers. Yeah, they call shoes skittle butts. <laughs> and they call they call dogs mugglywumps. <laughs> mugglywumps, and they call payphones flockadoos. Chatterbox. <laughs> Flockadoo. <laughs> All right, so he's okay, out there so walking on his muggly wump on the lead. Right, on the lead. And um, he's going to go make a call because I guess his brother and the brother's wife were expecting a child. And he wanted to know if the kid like. c- came in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes down to use the payphone. They're walking along, and his dog named Pickles. What? what? It's a great name. Okay. Pickles. I like pickles to eat. Like, why are you going to call a dog Pickles? Because it's cute. Is it? Oh, Pickles. Okay. It's a rascally kind of dog name. Can I call a, a dog Snap Peas? Sure. Can I call a dog Brussels Sprouts? My brother wanted to name his dog Birdseed when they got That's it. a cool name. Yeah. They went, you could. I would love to yell that at a dog park. Hey, Birdseed! Birdseed! That was his whole thing. They wound up with Mickey. But see, everyone in my family, <laughs> we always name the dogs human names. Oh, yeah. Because it's more fun that way. See, we in my family, we give the humans dog names. <laughs> Uncle Rover? Yeah, exactly. I got Uncle Rover, Uncle Bowser. I got. A- <laughs> My mom has a dog named Morty. That's a great name. Yeah, Morty's a great... Morty doesn't look like a dog. No, I can't imagine Morty, a dog named Morty would. Morty has like human eyes. Oh, dope. And the weirdest shaped body. He's huge and he has really short legs. Mm-hmm. But he's like... Barrel- he's a mutt? He's barrel chested. Yeah, he's... And like when he first showed up, he's just like a stray who walked up and... We th- like, like thought, hi, I'm Morty. Can I live here now? Yeah, he just handed us his card. <laughs> she thought that he was like a an old man dog, a traveling dog salesman. Yeah, that he was just like looking to you know live out his sunset mm-hmm. years, and uh, it turns out he was like three months old, <laughs> <laughs> and he just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he's got like matronly hips. <laughs> And he's. I love this dog. He's the best. Maybe I'll put a picture of Morty on the uh, ridiculous crime Instagram. Morty's a good dude. And so, anyway, so Pickles, they're walking along. Pickles starts sniffing at a package that's leaning against the wheel of the, his neighbor's car, sniffing at it. Okay. And like, if you see something, say something, Pickles. <laughs> we need this, Pickles. You have to help Pickles, us. Pickles. It's a community effort. But that's effort. what Pickles was doing. Pickles was like, alert, alert, unidentified package. Although I'm kind of thinking he probably thought maybe someone dropped something from the butcher store, like, you know, a slab of bacon or something. <laughs> so Corbett, he goes to pick it up, but he stops himself because he's, like, worried that it might be an IRA bomb. Like the Irish Republican Army bomb? Irish Republican Army. So he's worried about terrorism now? Look, man, when the IRA planted bombs back then, Mm -hmm. they almost always called in a warning. That's what I thought. I mean, they got And it was like high value targets. It would not be this dude walking in his suburban. Yeah, bro, you're not the Queen of England. And you know what? To get you, we only have to get lucky once. You know what, David Corbett? Chucky Arla. That's all (laughs) I got to say. So his curiosity, though, gets the best of him. He's like, I could get my all my arms and legs blown off, all eight of my arms and legs blown off by the IRA, and it'd be worth it to find out what's in this package. So he picks it back up. It's a mm-hmm. little bit heavy. He's nosy. He does not mind his own business. And so he tears open the bottom of it. The bottom of a box. The bottom of the package, yeah. 
Okay. Had he ever opened a package before? No. <laughs> that was his first time. Well, ever. he was just born on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. And Pickles he birthed let him. Pickles open it. <laughs> Pickles was telling him what to do. Pickles was like, tear at the bottom. <laughs> just get where you just can reach. Tear, just go for the bottom. Because he's thinking that's where the grease is. Yeah. So he tears open the bottom. Mm-hmm. And what does, he, what does he think it was? He sees a disc mm-hmm. with some words etched on it. Mm-hmm. And he sounds out the word. <laughs> Brazil, Germany, Uruguay. He's like, oh, snap, it's the World Cup. Booyah. Booyah. And Pickles is like, told you. (laughs) Just never listen. Nobody listens to Pickles. Pickles the dog detective. Pickles, like, you know, adjusts his star on his collar (laughs) and, like, does, like, a finger guns. No one can see him, and, yeah, he's disappointed. So... David Corbett's like, Pickles, let's go to the cops. And they run down the street to the police station. And they show it to a Bobby at the front desk. And the cop looks at it, kind of like, sniffs, and tells him, doesn't look very World Cuppy to me. <laughs> oh, it ain't really a World Cup, is it? That's what I, I was so waiting for you to do it in the accent for me. <laughs> That's what he said. That's exactly how he said it. And then, like, he sniffed and then took a sip of tea. <laughs> And then, and then he lost a word of the French. <laughs> then he he's like, oh, right, y'all. And so then Pickles gets up on the counter and is like, let me talk to a detective. <laughs> like, Pickles, chill. DCI Pickles, calm down. Pickles pulls out a switchblade and is like, I, I will cut you. And so they go and they get a detective. The detective comes out all, like, bleary-eyed. He'd been asleep in his office. He looks at it and he verifies that the trophy is actually, that is the World Cup. He's like, no, Mr. Front Desk, you got this wrong. It is World Cuppy. <laughs> it looks very World Cuppy. So um, Pickles fired the cop at the front desk on the spot, marching I like, papers. I like Pickles' approach to life. Get out of here. No BS this one. No. Pickles Pickles is a straight shooter. Pickles is a real cowboy. <laughs> you love that. I do love that. I like describing people as real cowboys. Uh, Corbett freaks out. When the guy says, yes, actually, this does look really World Cup-y. It is the World Cup. Corbett is, like, having a panic attack. The the detective says, sit down, and gives him a shot of whiskey to calm him down. Ah, the great UK version of calm down. (laughs) This is the way. It was like, that's how you elevate. You, like, when you escalate the situation, normally when you have a little freak out, they Mm -hmm. give you a cup of tea. Yeah. They're like, oh, you've had a dreadful scare. I can say a lot of this stuff because I lived in Scotland. That's right. You yeah. actually have, like, insider dope on yeah, this. Yeah, I'm not just talking smack from the like, other side of the ocean. Like me. Like you. Yeah. I'm not just talking out of my rear end. Like <laughs> you. So, he normally they're like, oh, you had a dreadful scare. This is stressful. Whatever. Have a cuppa. They realize there's no tea. No milky tea is going to save this man. So, they just, like, throw whiskey at him. And he's like, okay, I think I can do this. Then the detectives are like, wait a second. David Corbett, this story is a little bit suspicious. Your dog found the trophy, and Pickles is like, I I really am offended by what you're insinuating. <laughs> he storms out of the station. Corbett is just like, no, I'm serious. Like, I had nothing to do with it. The cops spend a couple weeks investigating him. Like, they take all his information, and they, they vet him out, verify everything. It turns out, no, he had nothing to do with it. He's cleared. But so we have the cup, right? Mm-hmm. The World Cup starts. England tearing it up, doing really well. We get down to the final. Mm-hmm. England versus Germany. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Now, this is like 20 years on mm-hmm. from England versus Japan. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to imagine. I just, I'm going to, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and imagine that it was a contentious yeah. crowd. And I'm also assuming this is because it's 66, it's German, like West Germany. This is, yeah. Not, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise the Stasi, they're just not going to let they're people. Like, we don't do that. So, England, Germany, in the finals of the World Cup, in England. World War Three on totally, the pitch. Totally. Oh, my God, the hooliganism in the, ro- in the streets <laughs> must have been out of control. Who wins? Brazil. <laughs> I think soccer fans everywhere are the ones who win. I think we all win. <laughs> Connoisseurs of the sport. England won. Yeah, I know. They brought football home. Good for them. Good for- <laughs> Hurrah! And so they win. And of course, like Corbett and Pickles lauded for this whole thing. Oh, yeah. They saved the day because there's actually a trophy for it. Could you imagine if they'd gone through the whole cup and they're like, uh, we don't really have anything. Here's a here's a, a voucher <laughs> for when we do find one. Here's a world coupon. Although from what I understand, they had like a metalsmith make a, a dummy version of it, not out of solid gold like the, the actual cup was. But they had them make a fake one in the event that they couldn't recover it. Mm-hmm. And they could just use that. So, and then you start wondering, like, where is, do they ever use the real one? Like, That's what my what's the was. point? Yeah. If you're going to have a traveling road show and Why all Why not these, just put that one out there? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and from what I understand, like, there's a lot of stuff, like, in the British Museum where the, it's a... Uh, uh, That's stolen? I think the word you're looking for is... <laughs> A lot of stuff in the British If you want to talk Elgin stolen. marbles, yes. Um, no, <laughs> aside from that, they'll often put replicas yeah. out for display. Yeah. yeah, in case, like, you come in and go, go nuts I'm, and start slashing things. Go like, all, like, Killmonger from Black Panther on They're it, like, like, Zarin's here. We got to put the fakes up. Put the good, put the good China away. <laughs> so Corbett and Pickles, the pup, they get to go to the victory party after the win. But um, they were seated with the wags, the wife, wife and girlfriend crew. Oh, I was they wondering about wags. Yeah, wags or wives and girlfriends. And the celebratory banquet that was held at the Royal Garden Hotel, mm-hmm. they got to go to that. Pickles celebrated like a true football hooligan, and um, he peed on the hotel's elevator doors. Nice at the event. Hope he was drunk. Oh, sure. Pickles was always drunk. <laughs> Pickles was a functioning alcoholic. That's right. I forgot. He's a, he's a cop. In- Pickles had a kegerator <laughs> in the back garden. Um, Pickles won an award from the National Canine Defense League, which I didn't even know was a thing. Okay. But hooray. <laughs> and he also got a year's supply of dog food. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's well, a good one. It, it eases it up for Corbett. But, yeah. you know, Corbett got like 6,000 pounds in prize money. He wound up buying a house... Damn. Yeah, he was able to... It, It'll it, come up for Corbett. Totally. It set him up. Um, Pickles got to be on TV, and he also had a role in the 1966 movie, The Spy with the Cold Nose. <laughs> he became a movie star dog. <laughs> yeah. And The Spy with the Cold Nose was played by uh, Milton Berle. <laughs> <laughs> the Spy with the Cold Nose was uh, was a box office hit. I imagine it was. I think I saw the sequel, The Spy with the Very Large. (laughs) The Spy with the Warm Ears. Yes. Yeah, that was the one. That's the one, right. I'm I'm going to pull you out of the abyss there. The Spy with the Warm Ears. 
So, um, Betchley, our boy mm-hmm. Jackson, mm-hmm. he was convicted of demanding money with menaces. Such a British version. What are of- you in for? Demanding money with menaces. <laughs> oh, my last cellmate was Strongly like that. Strongly <laughs> worded language. And uh, he did two years. What you in for? Elbows on the table. <laughs> White after Labor Day. Um, so who stole the cup? Was it Pickles in a drunken stupor? No. No. You're right. Um, the Bastion We of- all stole the cup. It's like the murder on the Orient Express. It was our Jungian, like, collective unconscious. Spiritist just, Mundi yeah. that all got together and stole the cup and made it invisible in order to, for us to band together and like learn that. about true friendship. It's like some Carlos Castaneda friendship lessons. Yeah, it was like, it's like a full Borges style. <laughs> so, um, so, one of your favorite uh, publications, a bastion of journalistic integrity, The Daily Mirror. Oh, get up every morning to read it. They did a 10-month investigation in 2018. <laughs> 2018. They, wa- they wanted to wait. They just, they're like, the time is right for a deep dive into this. And who's going to investigate it? Us. The dust is finally settled. Finally. You know the Daily Globe's not going to do it. No. And so in the mail, forget about it. No, the mail's too busy tailing Kardashians. The mirror, they're on it. They come up with this whole, th- they, they say we've solved it that the thieves were London gangsters. Naturally. And it was actually um, some brothers. The Craze? Being two men related to each other. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were named Sydney and Reg Kugler. Say that again. Sydney and Reg Kuglier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the deal, dude. Okay, so their last name is spelled C-U-G-U-L-L-E-R-E. Oh, Kuglier. And I read this and I was like, how do you say that? How do you say that man's name? Mm-hmm. And I kept looking to see if it was like in news reports where someone would say it. And I would find these videos where they would do the news report, but it was just like captioning. <laughs> Or then one was read by, like, a robot, like, Alexa was reading it. And it was mm-hmm. all, I'm like, no, come on. Someone just say it for crime any sake. And um, so then I found one place where they gave, like, a an estimate. So, I mean, Cugulere. Yeah, that, that's, that's like, my take. I just like I know I'm wrong. Cugulere. <laughs> <laughs> like, kind of like... <laughs> Like you're a little embarrassed ordering at a store. Yeah. Um, Stage fright. But here's the best part. So Sydney C, mm-hmm. he goes by the nickname Mr. Crafty. <laughs> That's what he's known as on the street. The, and like, what's the, his brother Reginald is Mr. Artsy? <laughs> Mr. Artsy, Mr. Crafty. Now Reginald, Reginald Reg is probably like the spike. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, you got a problem. You got to talk to Mr. Crafty. <laughs> And apparently Sydney was like the bad dog on this one. He oh, okay. was the he was the real guy. So um who who's exposed them, do you wonder? Um, Mr. Bean. Yes. I That's so it. weird. See that guy? It was in an entertainment tonight interview and he just spilled <laughs> he just it and was all I'm Mr. Bean and I'm here to spill the beans. <laughs> Rowan X. And then he style. snapped and disappeared. Uh Reg's son. Reg Ooh. the Spike Kugler. He um And their his, son the big snitch. His son Gary the Snitch. He ratted him out. But he waited until the both of them, both of the brothers were dead. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good of him. He said that they did it just for the thrill of it. 
Just for the hell of it, just for the smell of it. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Uh, and it was just sort of a because it's their thing. It was their Everest. Oh, they just needed to climb it because it was there? Because like, it's there. I'm, I'm with you. You know, they're like, what fools put this trophy in a stamp pile in a church? It's begging for it. What Let- crazy philatelist would do something like this? <laughs> what in the philatelist? So, um, Kugler and uh, these brother, they uh, they case the place. So, Mr. Crafty, he goes and he cases the hall, and he's the one who broke in and stole the cup. He just drives up, goes up to the back door, jimmies it open, takes like, he said it was like a dime store lock. Like uh-huh. So, he just like uses clippers. He uses like a pair of safety scissors and cuts through it. <laughs> so left-handed safety left-handed scissors. Left-handed safety scissors that he found like that the philatelist left. So he grabs it, gets in the car, is driving home. He gets home, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, my God. When my wife finds out what I've done, she's going to kill me. She's such a big football fan. She loves football. She's so excited that football's coming home. <laughs> and, like, she's all about the three lions. Isn't it the three, three lions? Three lions, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's got the three lions tattooed on her forehead. This is This was a big mistake. I stepped in it. So he realizes his wife's not going to go for this. Like, she'll put up with all sorts of counterfeiting and... You know, stolen goods and all sorts of other things. But if you if you cross that line and you bring the stolen FIFA cup in this house, <laughs> I swear to Pete, Mr. Crafty. Hell is going to be paid. You're going to have to find a new place to sleep. Pickles Doghouse, maybe. So he's like, oh, what am I going to do? So he calls Reg. Reg, you got to come over here and get this thing. Reg is like, oh, problem with the missus. And he like gets in his car and toodles over. And so Reg gets it. Then gets in the car to drive home, sticks it under the driver's seat, right? He's driving mm-hmm. along. And then encounters a police roadblock looking for the cup. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm a bit in a pickle now. <laughs> <laughs> Some sticky wicked, eh? <laughs> and so he rolls down his window. Oh, right, right, right then. Pip, pip. <laughs> Hello, governor. Hello, governor. Don't have any World Cup here. <laughs> And the cop was Scottish. He goes, oh, it's great. <laughs> and uh, so it's like, it's just a general stop. And they search his car. The cop searched his but car. But what have we learned about the, the police there? That they are not good at their jobs. No. And so they didn't look under the seat. How did they search the car? It's like when you're a kid and you're like, mom, I can't find it. And you're like looking at the ceiling. Yeah. If you've seen like, the. Where's my jacket? And you're looking around. <laughs> like my nephew does that. When I'll say, like, hey, go pick up the blue block over there. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, looking He's looking at the wall. Like, <laughs> looking at the windows. When did we keep Legos on the wall, dude? Come on, back to Earth. You're drunk again. He's two. <laughs> he's two. So <sighs> it's a general stop. They search the car. Don't get the cup. He's like, ha-ha. Done it again. And he, like, dramatically throws his scarf back and toodles <laughs> off. There's a lot of toodling going on in these cars. So Sydney, Mr. Crafty, he's the one that got Betchley involved. Oh. Every time I see the name Betchley, I think of Bletchley, like mm-hmm. the Bletchley circle, the code breakers mm-hmm. in World War II. Mm-hmm. I just needed to let that out. So You feel better? Oh, my God. I feel so much better. <sighs> okay, deep cleansing breath. So Mr. Crafty is the one who got Betchley in it. Betchley never said a word about this. He did time. Remember, he did yeah. two years. He never ratted them out. My guess is that Sydney and Reg were terrifying. 
I could see that. That, like, the idea of crossing, like, it would be like generations would pay for it type yeah, thing. Yeah, no, British gangsters, especially at that time, had a reputation for Hard being— Hard men, yes. we call them. Exactly. So, uh, when Betchley got arrested, um, the, the brothers, <laughs> they— <laughs> the two men related to each other with shared parents, um, they hid the trophy in a coal shed. Because that's just what you do. Of course. First of all, we've all got coal sheds. I keep two out back, just for spares. Exactly. So they hid it in there, and they're just, like, walking around, grabbing at their hair, like, what do we do? <laughs> walking in circles. Um, they knew they couldn't move it on the black market. Yeah. This is just, like, you can't, You first, you can't go down to the flea market. Yeah, and, and at that time, the Soviet Union still existed, so all they had was rubles. There was no Russian billionaire to buy it. No oligarch. Yeah. No. So, um, and the Saudis weren't, weren't no. in the market. So they also didn't want to destroy it. They didn't have the heart to destroy it and melt it down. Solid gold. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they had some national pride. And so somehow it made it onto Pickle's turf. Do we ever figure out? No. Do you think that they Gary. got scared and just like kind of like wanted to hide it and that was just the best spot was next to the wheel of a car? That's what I can guess. Gary, uh -huh. son of Reg, uh -huh. didn't share that information. Interesting. If you look up online, you can see interviews with Gary, and he just swears a blue streak through the whole thing. <laughs> Definitely the son of a hard man. Oh, yeah. He's a real character. He's a real piece of work. Do you think that they tossed it out of a moving car, and that's why it landed? Oh, that's actually did? a really good theory. Let's say that. Okay. <laughs> they were driving along, listening to the Yardbirds in, like, a black and white checkerboard Mini Cooper. And they looked out the window and they saw Pickles staring at them, death stare. And Pickles did that thing where you drag your thumb across your neck, the slitting of the throat. And they freaked out and went, ah, and then threw it out of the car and it landed. And Pickles was like, I saw that. I'm, like, I'm, on I'm tracking it. that yeah, one. Dog detective days. I'm on it. <laughs> so it somehow winds up there. Pickles finds it. Mm -hmm. um, Sydney and Reg, they died in 2005 and 2012, respectively. No. They both had wreaths at their funerals in the shape of the cup. <laughs> That's a flex. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, right? Great, ridiculous. They're like, we, you know, this is like the big family inside joke. Totally. So great. I love that. They're so good. So, you know, you know we've, we've tied up all these loose ends here. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about what happened to Pickles later in life. Okay. It's too upsetting. Um, but, and I'm like, I'm serious. Like, it's not... Oh, now you if you're if you're sick, look it up. But I love dogs. Oh, it's too that much. bad. <laughs> <laughs> if you're sick, look it up. <laughs> I am clinically diagnosed as a crazy dog lady. Yeah. yeah. So, so I don't like bad stories. Um, what's our ridiculous takeaway here? That the best police officer in this story is a dog. Yeah, you gotta let your dog do its inspections and its sniffings because it might stumble upon a national, no global treasure nay a global nay, treasure a global treasure <laughs> so everyone deputize your dogs let's get on it yeah get there some badges <laughs> boom they need stinking badges <laughs> uh all right so that's enough of that you can find us online at at ridiculous crime on both twitter and instagram where i will be posting pictures of the uh ford zodiac if you have a tip about a ridiculous crime that you'd like us to talk about, or if you want to confess to a ridiculous crime, uh, you can email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. 
See you later. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett, produced and edited by the beautiful Dave Couston. Research is by the intrepid Marissa Brown. The theme song is by Thomas Lee and Travis Dutton. And the executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast! podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.